This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a busy show today. We have a review of uh, Holland America's Koningsdam by request. By the way, if you have a, a ship coming up or a cruise coming up and you want to hear a review of, I have a lot of them, so I can move yours to the front of the line, just email me, Doug at CruiseRadio.net, like we're doing with Rick's review this week. Also, Sherry Laskin is standing by with Cruise News. Dan Skilkin from TripInsurance.com is here to talk about a crazy story. This guy who had a, uh, well, he thought he had a heart attack in the British Virgin Islands, and he got medevaced home, didn't have travel insurance. We'll talk about this later, but six-figure bill, pretty wild. So uh, a really informative interview coming up with Dan. Richard Sims standing by right now in Manhattan. Carnival just did a big reveal for the Carnival Mardi Gras. They have a, um, well, one of the reveals is they're going to have a tiki bar there. It's going to be the Red Frog Tiki Bar, two-story tiki bar by the pool. It actually looks really cool checking out the photos. They're also going to have a watering hole, a bar on the side of the ship, but more towards the back of the ship. And it's going to be just kind of like chilling out in someone's backyard. And they also announced this street eats concept. So maybe think food trucks, but not food trucks, just a bunch of little venues on a strip. That's all going to be complimentary. And by the way, all this is fully outlined at cruiseradio.net. We're going to jump right to Richard. He is with the president of Carnival Cruise Line, Christine Duffy. Thanks, Doug. I'm sitting here with Christine Duffy. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Of course, my pleasure. So Mardi Gras is sort of a big game changer. What made this the right time to introduce a ship that was going to introduce so many new to Carnival concepts? Well, I think the fact that this is the largest ship that Carnival Cruise Line has ever built, and it's the first ship that we're bringing to North America that will be powered by LNG, liquefied natural gas. We have a big playground that we can really expand our horizons and think about all the things we'd love to have. So we've had a lot of fun coming up with uh, new ideas and concepts that we're delivering for the ship. Of all the zones on the ship, which is the one you would be most likely to spend your time hanging out in? Well, I have to admit, I am a spa person and the spa is going to be beautiful. But I think that roller coaster is going to be pretty unique. And then, of course, I love New Orleans. So if I have to choose, I'd say French Quarter. Anything you want to tease about the other ships that are coming? Well, the one thing I still have to tease is that we have not finished our announcements about Mardi Gras. Really? So there is more to come. And on that, we're going to end because that's the perfect tease. Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Of course. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, this is going to be one big ship for Carnival because, you know, they're used to those 130,000, 133,000 ton ships. This one's going to add about 50,000 tons, not to mention a lot of food options on here. We're going to have the Guy Fieri Smokehouse and Burgers, the Emerald Lagasse Restaurant, and announced today that there's the Big Chicken that is uh, ran by Shaquille O'Neal that'll be serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner right there on the deck. And that's not even talking about all the beverage options on board the ship, which, speaking of, Richard is hanging out with Eddie Allen right now. Eddie is the VP of Beverage Operations for Carnival Cruise Line. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us here uh, at the event for Mardi Gras. I see you have a beverage there. What are you sampling here? 
I'm currently having a Thirsty Frog Caribbean Wheat, one of my favorite beers we brew. Very nice, very nice. Now, what was your biggest challenge with Mardi Gras as far as the new venues and new drink specials being introduced? You know, I don't know if we have, I'd say anything, I'd say a challenge. We've been having a lot of fun. We've got, I don't know, five, six new bars coming, as well as a bunch of our guest favorite bars like Alchemy coming back. And so we're just having a lot of fun creating new menus, working on new drinks and ideas for the ship. Which comes first? The space that you know you have to work in or the idea for what you want to put in that space? We come to new builds with ideas of what we want to do, new concepts we want to build, and we work with our shipbuilding team to figure out the best place for those ideas and what's going to work on different ships' designs. And I understand you're personally involved with actually the creation of some of the very, very popular cocktails on the ship. Is that right? Yeah, I I work hand-in-hand with my team coming up with new cocktails for all of our venues. I am very hands-on, like to get behind the bar and create, and so a lot of the cocktails do are recipes that come from me. Which one's your favorite of the uh, things that we're going to see on Mardi Gras? Well, of the new drinks we're going to see on Mardi Gras, I really love the uh, watermelon cooler that we're going to do at Watering Hole. Fresh watermelon mixed with some lemon juice, Grey Goose vodka, and a little bit of watermelon syrup. You know, and... At the Tiki Bar, we're doing a lot of fun things. We're doing a variation of the uh, Mai Tai I can't quite talk about yet, but something (laughs) that I'm working on that's my personal drink at home. We're going to bring back some of our classics from Red's Rum Bar, like the Rum Jumper, and then look for classic Tiki drinks, you know, drinks like the Blue Hawaii, uh, Navy Grog, or even uh, a Zombie. How cool is the Tiki Bar? I mean, just the concept of it and the, the, the two-story, it just it looks amazing. It's going to kind of reshape the look of the Lido deck. It's a whole new look for us. You know, historically, we've had two bars on Lido, and to combine them and have one two-story bar overlooking the whole party that is Lido deck, I think it's going to be great. You know, whether you want to be in the mix downstairs or maybe sitting upstairs overlooking the deck. Am I right in saying that um, the Tiki Bar will basically incorporate the elements of the Red Rum uh, Bar? Well, you look at Red Frog Rum Bar, which is a classic Caribbean rum bar, right? Taking notes from the most famous drinks throughout the Caribbean, whether that's San Juan, Havana, or Mexico. When you look at Red Frog Tiki, Tiki drinks are all based off of the classic Caribbean drinks like the daiquiri, the mojito, and the margarita. And so it's a natural extension of the Red Frog family to go from Red Frog Pub and Red Frog Rum Bar into a South, South Pacific Polynesian-themed Red Frog Tiki Bar. Well, frankly, I can't wait to uh, hit the real thing. The one here is fun. As you listeners can hear, there is a party going on. And, and Eddie, I apologize for dragging you away from it. Please go back out and have a great time. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, cheers. I hope you had a great time today. And I can't wait to see everybody on Carnival Mardi Gras. I think Richard has been to the Tiki Bar a couple of times already. While Richard is grabbing cruise director Matt Mitchum, that's your cue, Richard. Carnival did announce today that Matt will be leaving Carnival Vista and heading up Carnival Mardi Gras in August of 2020. I'm talking to Matt, and I want to be the, well, not the first, probably the 10,000th to congratulate you on the new position. Were you, uh, what was your reaction when you found out? Thank you, first of all. I'm super stoked, man. Like, uh, I got to bring out the Vista. I was super fortunate with that. Um, and now I get a second opportunity to bring out a next class. Overwhelmed right now, um, but really excited. Really excited. And I love the, the new products that we have to offer. 
It's a huge honor. I mean, it is. They're putting, they're putting a very expensive baby in your hands and trusting you with it. That's got to be a little nerve-wracking. It is. But, you know, I have a great support team around me, man. Like, uh, my entertainment director, Hugo, uh, who also just got announced today, he's fantastic. And my shoreside team, they're, they're great as well. So Now, has Hugo worked with you on the previous ships? Uh, I've done cover stints with Hugo. So I've done... Uh, he came on to Vista for a short period of time, but he brought out the Horizon. So uh, we're both familiar with, with, the, with the layout of that ship, and now it's onto a new challenge. I've always been a big believer, though, when it comes to cruise directors, it's sort of important to find um, a fit between the ship and the cruise director. In this case, what do you think makes you a good fit for Mardi Gras? Um, I have experience, so I've been uh, doing it 12 years now. Um, secondly, I, I'm just real with my job. Like the, My biggest asset, honestly, is I don't sing, I don't dance. I try and be as genuine and as real and as personal as I can be, and I think that works for me. Um, and, I mean, it's got me this far, so I'm going to keep going with it. I have not yet had the honor of cruising with you. I look forward to doing so, but uh, I am a big fan of yours. I follow you on social media, as do a lot of people. You have groupies. What's it like to have cruise groupies who actually book cruises because they know you're going to be the cruise director? Uh, It's real surreal. Very surreal. Like, I'm so honored. Um, I feel guilty every time they change me off a cruise (laughs) because having someone book a, a vacation, and I know how how valuable vacations are to people um, and to have someone book a vacation because I am there is the best feeling in the world. It really is. Like, it really makes me feel special and uh, I really make sure that I deliver uh, and try to deliver every time. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We can't wait to see you on board. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Richard. Have fun up there, man. All right. If you want to get a recap of everything we talked about, I know it came at you really rapid fire. There's a video on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel fully outlining everything today. Also, we have an article on the website, cruiseradio.net. I'll link those up in the show notes for you to make it easy. All right. Now over to the West Coast with Sherry Laskin with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So a man was kicked off a Norwegian cruise line ship. What exactly happened here? Yeah, this is interesting. Well, the saga began when a couple aboard Norwegian Breakaway tried to enter the theater to watch a performance of Burn the Floor. They had a reservation to see the show, and the man made it known that he had a relative performing in it. But according to reports, when a crew member did not allow the passenger to enter the theater... The man then became louder and more irate and made threatening remarks to the crew member, who then called security team for backup. The couple never did get in to see the show, and the next morning, security came a-knocking at their stateroom door. He was told he would have to disembark to ship at the next port, which was Tortola, and then make his own hotel and air arrangements to get home. So the question is, why was he told to leave the ship? Well, It's all in the fine print, basically. It's in the cruise contract that's included in your online documents. You know, when you make your final cruise payment, you have to check a little box that you've read them. So most of us, including myself, we don't bother to read through all of that. But it's right there in print. And it states if you become, basically it states, if you become unruly or display threatening behavior, the captain has the right to disembark you at the next port of call. Case closed. And it looks like more issues for Carnival Vista. Yeah, this time the Carnival Carnival sent out a memo to guests who boarded Carnival Vista last week in Galveston to inform them that there was a technical issue with the ship and that the cruise line had to cancel Grand Cayman and Jamaica. So when the guests finally arrived to board the ship, they were then told they would only visit Costa Maya and Cozumel. So the original seven-night cruise now was extended for an extra day with three sea days 
before Costa Maya and Cozumel and two more sea days to get back to Galveston. And then another note came out from the captain that explained the reason, and it was because of technical issues. The ship just simply couldn't get up enough speed to reach all of the other ports. So the good news is for those who decided to continue with their cruise, they received a 50% future cruise credit, a $200 onboard credit, and one free day added for those who purchased either a Cheers beverage package or an internet plan, plus any air-related expenses and change fees due, and short excursion refunds for Mahogany Bay in Roatan were also issued. If someone wanted to cancel, they received a full refund, a 50% future cruise credit, and any airline-related expenses were also covered. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of compensation Carnival offers the next cruise, because since this one was extended, obviously the next one is going to have to be shortened. Exactly. A Disney cruise ship is about to get a nice renovation. Yes, it is. It's the Disney Wonder and will undergo some refurbishment this fall that includes both the teen and adult areas. So because Disney Wonder will offer several springtime departures from New Orleans next year, The addition of a New Orleans-themed venue, which sounds logical, will be included along with the other upgrades. So this new venue is designed to resemble the type of lounge you might find in New Orleans French Quarter, but it will be family-friendly and feature live music, so it won't quite be like what you find in the French Quarter. The upgrades will be finished in time for the ship to depart from Vancouver to San Diego this September. And a little bit more, what teenagers uh, have for themselves is called the Vibe. And it's going to have brighter colors, and they're going to put some, you know, those in- industrial metal accents throughout. And a coffee bar for kids and a virtual reality experience will also be added. I don't know about that coffee bar thing. But for the adults-only area, their coffee bar called Cove Cafe is also being updated. And the Disney Wonder begins cruises from New Orleans on February 7th of next year, and it will cruise to the Caribbean and the Bahamas. Okay, so Port Canaveral, that's in your neck of the woods when you're in Florida. They received a nice award. Yeah, they did, and it is when I'm in Florida. I like the way you added that. (laughs) So Port Canaveral was named Best Cruise Port in Global Traveler Magazine's annual reader survey, and it was awarded the 2019 Leisure Lifestyle Award. So as you mentioned, it's located in my backyard. It's directly due east of Orlando, all the way to hit the Atlantic. And the cruise lines that port there year-round include Disney, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and Norwegian. Other cruise lines, including those based in Europe, I've seen um, P&O there and uh, some other ones. Herjagruten has even been there. They make day calls at Port Canaveral, too. But also happening at Port Canaveral, Carnival is building their state-of-the-art and a space-themed cruise terminal in time for the new Carnival Mardi Gras next year. And a little bit of fact, Port Canaveral hosts over 4.5 million cruise passengers every year, plus over 6 million tons of cargo. It's a huge cargo port. It's amazing when you sit there and you just watch uh, the ships come and go and and the cargo ships, and there's even submarines that come by. So it's it's a fun port. And you know, Sherry, hands down, Port Canaveral is by far in my opinion, the easiest port to get in and out of in Florida. Yep. The only other one I would compare it to, and it's probably changed since I haven't been there in about three years, is is Tampa Port. 
Mm-hmm. That one used to be pretty easy, but if it keeps growing, then you know we'll lose that small town convenience. Like we still have at Port Canaveral. And Virgin Voyages' upcoming ship, Scarlet Lady, now has a captain. Yep, Sir Richard Branson and Virgin Voyages' president, Tom McAlpin, announced that Captain Wendy Williams will assume the helm as master of Scarlet Lady. Captain Williams will be the first Canadian woman to be the captain of a ship from a major cruise line. Captain Williams hails from Cetille. It's a, a small town in eastern Quebec on the St. Lawrence River. And she's been working on ships for over 28 years. She started out as a deckhand and worked for over a decade uh, on commercial fishing ships. And then she's also been a ferry boat captain. So congratulations to Captain Wendy Williams on this wonderful appointment. Listener question here. Email your questions, Doug at CruiseRadio.net. This is going to what we talked about last week briefly. Um, is this NCL free airfare for Norwegian getaway sailings out of New Orleans really worth it? Well, there is free airfare to get to select Norwegian getaway voyages that depart from New Orleans. This free airfare promotion is available from over 100 airports throughout the United States. But here's how it works. And then you can decide if it's really worth it. So the offer applies to the first two guests booked in the cabin for one of the select sailings. So you have to check to see which is a select sailing. Mm-hmm. Guests who book an ocean view or better are eligible for free airfare, and this also includes complimentary transfers. But, you know, here's the rub. Norwegian is going to choose your airline. They'll choose the route and the departure gateway airport. And the cruise line also reserves the right to put you on a commuter flight or charter air service. So basically, you could end up going north to go south. You could have long layovers or really inconvenient flight times. But if this doesn't bother you, then this new free air promotion is definitely worth it, especially now since it's extended to Ocean View staterooms as well, because it used to just be for uh, mini suites and up. So keep in mind, though, that any deviations that you might want to make after your flight has been assigned will cost you a change fee. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide like Rome and 
Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. So there was a story that came up in the news um, about a gentleman who had to get medevaced from, he was on a cruise and had to go up to the British, or he was in the British Virgin Islands and had to go up to upstate New York to get medical attention. And uh, it brought up a lot of questions about medevac insurance and travel insurance in general. So joining me today is Dan Skilkin, president of tripinsurance.com. How you doing, Dan? I'm great, Doug. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so I want to set this story up and then we'll chat about it. So there was a gentleman on a cruise out of Florida. He had a heart attack on his cruise. Um, He was in the British Virgin Islands and the doctors at the BVI Islands said, hey, we're not really ready for this kind of emergency because of the hurricane. They were still recovering. So he had to get medevaced up to his hometown up in upstate New York. And he got a bill for $656,000. He tried to submit that to Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Of course, they denied it. So now here he is with a $656,000 medevac bill. So I want to ask you, when it comes to travel insurance, how would an incident like this come into play? Well, Doug, to, to add to your points, you know, this is a 60, 61-year-old guy who thinks he's got a heart attack, might have a heart attack, and he's a 1,000 miles from Florida on a cruise. So at, at that particular moment, I have to feel for him because typically you're not thinking about, you know, what's the cheapest way to get to shore. Um, you're just trying to figure out how to survive. Mm-hmm. And uh, all you can do is really rely on the ship at that point to to make a recommendation to try to get you medical transport, et cetera. Um, he, it, he didn't have travel insurance. So, you know, he's making arrangements with a private medical transport company and paid them a $36,000 retainer on his credit card without knowing what the costs were up front. Um, you know, so you're looking at this and saying, first, they're going to fly him to Fort Lauderdale for treatment. And he opted to have them fly him all the way home to Syracuse, New York, because a lot of times with with heart trouble like this, you may spend months in a hospital recovering. And he really didn't want to do that in some, you know, foreign state. So or in down in Florida. So he he wanted to wanted to head home, which was a perfectly reasonable thing to 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 expect. But that total bill for transport at six hundred fifty six thousand dollars is is a lot of money. And so the first question is, why is that bill so high? Well, first of all, this is a private jet, and it's outfitted for co- with costly medical equipment. It flies out of the United States round trip to pick him up, and it's got a doctor on board who's a specialist based on his medical problems. So there's likely a cardiologist on board and a nurse. It's fully equipped with medicine and equipment necessary to keep him alive uh, and comfortable during the transport. So typically, travel insurance companies have contracts with medical transport companies to limit what they can charge. But when a traveler like this doesn't have the benefit of pre-negotiated transportation costs, that company can charge him whatever they want. Uh, now, they're likely going to settle for a lot less than 656000 with him, but they've got a, the ability to sue him to collect it regardless of his insurance company. Typically, your U.S.-based medical insurance rarely covers medical transport like this. Mm-hmm. Often they'll cover like a... a, a, a um, an ambulance. So first of all, the guy's lucky because it turns out his medical problem was not as serious. He had angina. Um, but that's also one of the reasons why his insurance company refused to pay it because they said this medical transport may not have been necessary. And this is a, an unusually 
high bill for it. Um, but we've had other clients that have had very serious injuries that thank God they had medical transport. We had one guy shattered his leg while he was jogging in Malaysia because mm. he was chased by wild dogs, and jumped over a, um, jumped over a wall and, and crashed through the jungle canopy. Um, the emergency transport back to the United States was over a hundred thousand dollars and it was covered by travel insurance. But that medical transport saved his leg because the local doctor would have cut it off to save him because they didn't have the ability to put him back together. And uh, he, when he flew back to LA, uh, they, they put his leg back together and, and, and he was, he was okay, you know, 48 hours later, but that was only because he had the travel insurance to get him home. The cost of these medical transports can run like $50,000 to get back from Mexico and Central America, figure on about $100,000 in coverage that you'd need to get back from the Caribbean or Western Europe, maybe 200000 from the Far East. And if you're, if you're taking an, a, um, an African trip or something like that where you're really going to be remote – or one of these cruises that goes down to um, Antarctica, you're going to need at least $250,000 to $500,000 in medical evac to get home. Um, you can get this typically from your travel insurance company if you buy um, uh, a plan to cover you for your trip. You can also buy an annual medical transport plan from some specific medical company like uh, OnCall International sells these. Mm-hmm. They're an annual plan that covers it. But I tend to prefer the comprehensive travel insurance route because they're also going to cover your medical bills and they coordinate your medical care and your transportation if necessary. And they'll even front any costs like this $36,000 retainer. I don't know that many people that have got a $36,000 limit on their credit card. They just without a card and charge that. It's just, you know, this is, this is amazing, but um, I'm glad the guy's okay. But this is one of these great examples of why I don't travel anywhere without travel insurance. I want to make sure I'm tracking with you on one thing. You said that this guy had to pay a $36,000 retainer to even use the medevac service. So with a travel insurance policy, they would front that 36000 or whatever it is? Exactly. They'll, okay. they'll cover those charges up front. Uh, On-call international will get clearance from the travel insurance company. They'll cover your medical bills. There, mm-hmm. are, there are foreign hospitals that won't even discharge you unless you can make a payment. Yeah. And some people can't cover that payment. So the travel insurance company will front that. And and cover you, you know. They basically pre-approve the 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 payment of the uh, of the claim. So um, in, that, in that regard, I think uh, I think it's just it's just a smart move all, overall to take a look at picking up a comprehensive travel insurance plan that's going to co- coordinate your medical care and cover both your hospital charges and and medical transport if you need to. Now, some of these plans, you notice this guy wanted to fly back to Syracuse. This is this is in the fine print. You have to take a look at the plan. Some plans actually will cover you to transport to a hospital of your choice. Mm-hmm. So even even though it's not to your home, it may be to to uh, you may, for instance, the best place for you to get care might be Mayo Clinic. And if you get one of those policies, some of them have an extra feature where it will transport you to a hospital of your choice. Dan, I have a couple of uh, listener questions here. Do you have time to answer those? Absolutely. Okay. The first one comes from Dana. She said, my cruise to Cuba was canceled. The cruise line took care of my cruise refund, but the airfare is a different story. It's a little too late now, but I'm curious how travel insurance could have helped me. Well, this is a tricky, tricky point because um, when an itinerary is being changed by a travel supplier, like a cruise company, and they cancel, if you've bought airline tickets 
not from the cruise company because you save a lot of money, you know, booking some of the travel yourself. Um, typically, travel insurance won't cover you for a change of itinerary, a cancellation of a portion of your travel plans, unless you're under a cancel for any reason plan. This is when cancel for any reason coverage is great to have because it'll cover 75% of your loss on, on the airline tickets. Um, what's interesting, though, is that in this particular case, and there's an awful lot of customers right now that are are uh, are really being affected by this uh, by this Cuba um, uh, travel ban. Um, if a common carrier like a cruise company doesn't transport you to Cuba, if you've got prepaid accommodations or or shore excursions that weren't booked through the cruise company that they're not paying back, you can probably file a uh, travel insurance claim for that because you, you had transportation and they failed to provide you that transportation. That's a clause in the travel insurance that, that you're probably covered for that. But the airline tickets to, to, to get to the cruise probably wouldn't be covered unless you're under cancel for any reason. Dan, you say cancel for any reason. Is that like how it sounds? Could you cancel for any reason? Like if you didn't feel like going, you could cancel? Yes. Okay. Um, Those plans, they they, they typically cost more, sometimes a lot more, but uh, they give you more flexibility. The way they're set up, you have to purchase the cancel for any reason policy, typically within 14 to 15 days of your making your first deposit on the trip. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, you can change your mind and decide not to go and they'll pay 75% of the cancellation penalties. And then you would just get like reimbursed as like in form of a check back to you. Exactly. Okay. You don't have to. You don't have to take. You don't have to take a credit. A lot of times, if you decide not to take a, a cruise, and the cruise company offers you a form of cancel for any reason, that's typically paid back in a credit towards a future cruise. Mm-hmm. But if you're buying cancel for any reason from a third party insurance company, they're just going to give you uh, cash back. For the trip. Okay. All right. The last question comes from Michelle. She says, I've never bought travel insurance, but I recently turned 50 and I feel like it's something a 50-year-old should do. I've never found myself in the position of needing a policy either. What's the difference between Carnival's policy and the others I'm finding online? First of all, if this medical transport story <laughs> doesn't convince you to buy <laughs> travel insurance, I don't know what will. The big difference, to answer her question, um, the big difference between what you get from a cruise company and what you buy from a travel comparison website like tripinsurance.com, you, you typically can save money uh, doing a comparison at tripinsurance.com because we sell more than one plan. We can compare coverage to price, uh, and you can typically get a better value, more coverage for the money. For instance, if you buy insurance from the cruise company, it will not cover you if the cruise company declares bankruptcy. So that's typically, there are a lot more exclusions when you're buying it from the cruise company. Generally for kids or younger travelers, they'll get a better deal from a third-party travel insurance company like ours because the rates the cruise company charge are not not age-based. So that would be like a blanket policy then from the cruise line? Well, well, typically what happens is their insurance is sold based on the length of the cruise and the cost of the cruise. Whereas policies, for instance, on tripinsurance.com are sold based on your age the trip cost and the length of the trip and uh, they're age sensitive. And so for younger travelers, you can typically get a much better deal from a, from a third party travel insurance website like ours. So in her particular case, when I say younger travelers, I mean, a 50 year old can get uh, typically a much better price. If you're up at, you know, you're 80 years of age, 
the rates may be similar between the cruise company and tripinsurance.com, but you're going to get a little bit of coverage from us and, and more coverage reasons. We've been talking with Dan Skilkin, president of tripinsurance.com. Dan, as always, I appreciate you breaking down that medevac story and answering these listener questions for me. My pleasure. Doug, if there's any way we can help, please let us know. And if anybody has any questions about any of these topics, they can send us an email at support at tripinsurance.com and we're happy to help them, even if they're not buying travel insurance from us. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Rick just returned from an 11-night sailing on Holland America's Koningsdam. It was a Mediterranean cruise out of Rome and Rick joins us on the line. Hey, Rick. Hey, Doug. So let's take a step back, man, before we get over to Rome. What made you want to sail this 11-night cruise? Well, we have done uh, the uh, the Western Caribbean and, uh, uh, I mean, Western Caribbean, Western Mediterranean before and then one up to Venice. But we never had done a cruise that focused primarily on Greece. And that's kind of been something that I've always been interested in. I love ancient history. So the uh, route was, was near perfect for us, and the timing was great, so we just decided to go for it. Very good. So you made your way over to Rome. You're in what, uh, Indiana? Indiana, yes. Okay. Indiana to Rome. Any pre-cruise time over there? No. Uh, we flew via Philadelphia from Indianapolis and uh, had Holland America Line transfer to pick us up at the airport, which worked out really, really well and uh, took us straight to the ship. How was embarkation? Embarkation, uh, we got there before they were letting anybody on. Our flight had been a little bit early, and I think we probably waited about an hour. Um, and once they started boarding, uh, we were probably on in, in uh, 20 or 25 minutes. It, it was very easy. And the nice thing uh, at the Shvetsvekia, they have a new uh, passenger terminal. Um, and for embarkation, we got to actually use the new cruise terminal, which is beautiful. It has an outdoor terrace, so you can get a, a coffee and sit outside if the weather's decent and watch them loading the ship. Does Holland America operate a ferry schedule? I guess that's what they call it, where like if you wanted to, you know, you did Rome round trip, but like, could you do Naples round trip if you wanted to? No, like MSC that, mm-hmm. that kind of does some of that. No, that they, as far as I understood, they were they were only allowing people on, on and off uh, at Rome. Okay, so you make your way on board Koningsdam, which came out in 2016. Where were your first impressions once you got on board? We had sailed on uh, Koningsdam previously when it was about six months old, so it was kind of familiar the the layout, and uh, the ship had just been in dry dock, and it, to, in all honesty, everything looked brand new. Uh, it was very clean. Uh, there was nothing that was out of, out of place. Uh, it sparkled uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's funny because you walk onto a Holland America ship, and it's comp- it's a polar opposite of walking on to like a Royal Caribbean or a Carnival or even like the newer celebrity ships where you're just like in this massive atrium, and it's like wow, where these Holland America ships you just, just kind of walk on and just go to where you want to go. Does that make sense? Their atrium is uh, only three decks, and on Koningsdam and New Staten Dam, it, it looks a little like a, a fruit bowl. Yep. It's supposed to resemble a harp, <laughs> but it, it's it's not particularly eye-catching, although they do have graphics in the ceiling that, that mimic uh, 
clouds passing overhead, uh, which was kind of nice. But it, you don't get that, oh my gosh, this is a massive atrium and, and everything is right off of it kind of a feeling. I thought you were going to say graphics on the ceiling, um, picturing fruit or something like that, showing fruit oh. graphics. <laughs> They might do that at some point. <laughs> so you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? Well, one thing in, in this class of ship, uh, compared to the uh, the Signature and the Vistas, I, I think some of the balconies are a little bit smaller uh, than on, on the older ships. Uh, however... As you know from various cruises, all ships have their little quirks. So if you can get balconies on deck four aft, there's three elevator banks, and so this is the last elevator bank, and you're directly above the dining room. The balconies are huge. And I think the cabin was standard at about 182 square feet. The balcony uh, was another 100 square feet and part covered, part uncovered. So they're a fantastic value. You have to be careful in in booking it because the same category you could end up on, uh, I think it was deck 11, and have a a much smaller balcony. The only advantage is you're up higher. And I like being lower anyway so that you're closer to the water and and, uh, access to the bulk of the public rooms. Would that be like a rectangular shaped balcony? No, actually, it was it was very square. Okay, they're very square. They're not angled, you know, in in, in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they're 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 just really nice. They're big enough to have lounge chairs, which it did not have. It had a tiny uh, cocktail table and then two of their regular chairs. Yeah, the view and and. Uh, having that extra space. And if you wanted to, to entertain people, it'd be a perfect venue to do it. Let's talk about food on this sailing. Of course, Holland America has, you know, the run-of-the-mill type restaurants. You have the buffet with a lot of selections there. You have the main dining rooms and then some specialty restaurants. So we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have and how was your experience? Normally, we tend to like a fixed sitting but because this is a, a very port-intensive cruise, we uh, opted to go uh, with uh, any time. And uh, I'm not sure the ship was totally full. I don't feel that it, it was quite. Um, but I was a little anxious about it going in. And it could not have been nicer uh, for us because uh, the the first night we went in um, – and asked for a table for two, and they set us near near a window. We liked our waiter, and then the uh, the assistant maitre d for people who had reservations. He was he was great. He would we would just book it on a day by day basis if we were going to be in the dining room. And um, the wait staff got to know us. We moved the table just slightly. One night we had some people we met on board come and eat with us, and. It really worked real well. And even the people, because we could see the front of the dining room and the line coming in. And while there was a line for people without reservations, it moved very quickly. So I don't think anybody had to wait more than 10 minutes or so. Isn't that dining room beautiful, though? It is. It's stunning. And, and the having been on it previously, we were on the upper level that time. Mm-hmm. And my criticism of it then was it was so loud. 
um, it was it was hard to hear. Being down on the lower level, uh, it was much more tranquil. Yeah. And and I don't know if it was just the difference in that you had a little more cushioning above you or, or what it was, but uh, the dining room is is very very peaceful and and uh, the big windows make for nice view. Did you notice if that ship had club orange on it? Yes. And the the difference between that and and New Stottendam, I think New Stottendam, the furniture in there is still what was to be used for the Culinary Arts Center. You know, they're kind of odd looking mm-hmm. chairs with, with wood backs. Whereas when Koningsdam went into her dry dock, they put um, very elegant Art Deco chairs and uh, some bar stool type uh, seating in there. But the room had a, the orange lampshades. They had done a, a lot to it, and and I I thought it looked fantastic. Yeah. The downside is everybody walks by you and and can look in. Yeah, it's, a, so it's you're, glass you're, walls, right? Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I I think sometimes if you were sitting by the the wall, they might feel like they're animals in a zoo, and you know everyone's coming around. Oh, what are they feeding them today? You know <laughs> that sort of a thing. It reminded me a lot of like you know the airports you go to and they have the smoking rooms. Where they're big, yeah. clear, yeah, like the Atlanta airport reminds yeah. me of, reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. All right, so the main dining room, and then how about uh, any specialty dining? We did the Pinnacle Grill twice for lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an excellent value with Holland America at lunchtime, and they have killer hamburgers. I know that's sad to go on a on a cruise and and have a hunger for a hamburger, but they have a garlic aioli that is is outstanding. Their desserts are good. The bread selection is good. And it's never, although it was busy, it was never loud. And, and we uh, were able to get a window table both times. So I, I highly recommend people trying the Pinnacle Grill. If they don't want to splurge for dinner, go for it at lunch. It's usually only on sea days. And we had two sea days, and that, that's what we ended up doing uh, on this one. And then we did go to Canaletto um, one night, and they have a new menu. And while the, the food was, was very good, um, the last time we were in Canaletto a year and a half ago on Eurodam, we were really disappointed in the food and the service. And this time the, the food was, was excellent, but the service was still off. And that was kind of glaring because the service on Koningsdam on the, this cruise was phenomenal. I just have to say bring back the chicken parm, though. Yes. Yeah, I love good chicken parmesan, and, and and so I don't know why they they've taken off some things that they have, but maybe the wait staff still was was trying to learn, but they 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 just seemed a little bit off in there. Uh, did you do like uh, tamarind, or did you uh, get any burgers at the dive in burger joint? No, didn't get to go to either one because we were off for the dive in 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 the, in the day. And then uh, Tamarin, we, we, we never did go to in, in the evening on this cruise. So let's talk about the entertainment on this 11-night sailing. What were your thoughts? There again, our experience was, was somewhat limited because of being port-intensive. The, the highlight for me was uh, when we were in Athens, we did an overnight, and, and Holland America brought on a folk singer and a group of dancers to do traditional Greek dancing and songs, and they were outstanding. So I I really in, enjoyed that, and it, and it was a packed house that attended that in in the world stage. Um, they they have the uh, Lincoln Center, and we listened to that just a little bit one evening. 
uh, and they have added the new um, Rolling Stone Rock Room in addition to Billboard Onboard, and uh, that was going, but but I didn't have any interaction with that. There there was occasionally uh, music uh, in some of the other venues, uh, but they seem to have concentrated it in in those rather than like in the crow's nest in the past, you might have someone uh, playing the piano. And this time they didn't have any of that up there. You know, like you were just saying, these Mediterranean sailings, they will just drain you too, because it's like an all day, every single port day. And a lot of them are back to back. It's an all day event. It is. It is. And then after the cruise, we were flying on to London for four more days and going to Guernsey in, in the Channel Islands. So it was 17 days of run, run, run. Rick, do they allow smoking in the casino on the ship? Uh, yes. I think they do some nights. At the, it's, I'm trying to remember if they had some nights that it was a non-smoking. The The funny thing is, when the, her new sister came out, well, I know a lot of people assumed that that odd spiral staircase they would take away because the smoke drifts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the noise from the casino. And no, it's, sadly, it's still there. Yeah, I felt like on our sailing, maybe it was smoking except on formal nights, I think. I, that sounds about maybe? right. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So let's talk about your ports of call. And what we'll do here is just give us the port you went to and give us a highlight from that port, then go on to the next one. Okay. Um, after the day at sea, uh, which is great because you go through the Strait of Messina, which is the the uh, open water between mainland Italy and Sicily, so you get to see Mount Etna and Stromboli volcano as you're you're cruising down through there. And and our first port of call then was the Catacolon, uh, uh, the the port for Olympia, Greece. And when we got there on May 1st, which is May Day, and, and in Greece, that is a, a national holiday. So the the ancient Olympic Park itself, as far as the, the museum and, and being able to walk through the park, was closed. So that was a bit of a disappointment. We knew that going in. But we had booked uh, with a, a group, a small group tour, that we still got to go look down into the stadium, into the park. Mm-hmm which was excellent. And we went to uh, a, a farm that had, uh, they made their own honey um, and they had uh, uh, different, different things they've done with beeswax. And it was a, a really a nice little Greek place to visit. And then we stopped time at a hotel um, and then went back to the village and it rained some in the afternoon but the, the what surprised me so much was the, the, the port city, how much I really enjoyed walking around it. Um, there's maybe five, six hundred people that live there. And I thought with the holiday, it, it, it might be closed up. But the, they had uh, everything from little carnival rides going on to all the stores and the restaurants were open. And it was great fun just to walk around and, and, and meet people. So from there, we went on to Athens. And that was uh, one of the attractions for this itinerary was that it was an overnight, two full days, getting in at six in the morning, not leaving till 11 p.m. the following day. And uh, we did a full day Athens tour, uh, small group, 18 people uh, that was it was not booked through through the cruise line, but it went up to the Acropolis. And we, ha- I encourage anyone that goes to Athens to go to the Acropolis Museum. 
Uh, it is a fabulous design. Glass walls on the second level, and we decided to have lunch there. And you you sit right by the wall, and you look up, and, and the Acropolis and the Parthenon are right above you, uh, which are just breathtaking. Yeah. And the food is excellent. Um, and we saw uh, a couple of the, the other highlights in, in Athens and, and ran around the city uh, for a while. And then the, the next day, we did a private tour up to uh, Delphi, which is about a two-hour drive outside of the city and uh, where the ancient oracle was. And it's about 4,500 feet up in the mountains. And it was a gorgeous day to go up there and, and explore the, the, the ancient site. The town is, is interesting to have lunch uh, and look around. So I would encourage people, if they, they have more than a day in Athens, to possibly consider going out, out of the city. Then we continued on to Mykonos, which was great fun, even though the weather wasn't, wasn't great. It was overcast and it would sprinkle a little bit. I found out a little later in the, in the cruise, they said this was the coldest May in 70 years. Wow. And there, there was intermittent rain um, in some places. Athens was great. But um, Mykonos, if, if you, have you been there before? You know what I have? I've never been to Mykonos, just Athens and Crete. The the town itself is is not large, and most of the the buildings are are two stories tall. But you you uh, quickly lose your orientation, and everything is is whitewashed, you know, with blue trim. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, a nice resort. Obviously, it attracts an international uh, clientele, and they have everything from trinkets to uh, ultra high-end luxury stores and and uh, and restaurants, but the fun thing is you get lost. You can't see anything, and the the city was actually designed that way to detour invaders. Oh. So um, it was fun, and they have the the, the windmills. Uh, they were working on some of them, repainting them uh, all the white and and uh, unique stores. Um, there were only two ships there, so it wasn't like peak season. And you're just overwhelmed with with people. Uh, you could actually wander around and enjoy it. So I, I would love to go back. It'd be great to be there on a sunny day and 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 see the the sharp contrast in, in the colors with with the water. But um, I would go back in a heartbeat uh, to Mykonos. And from there we went on to uh, Kushadasi, the port for Ephesus, mm-hmm. which uh, I was excited to be able to visit Turkey because. So many of the cruise lines have canceled calls there for the past couple of years, and that's now starting to change. And they're going back, and we arranged a, a private tour at Ephesus, and the the site is is just unbelievably beautiful. You start at the top of the hill and you work your way down. And I would encourage anyone that goes. A lot of tourists walk by it. Uh, there there's a uh, buildings that are undercover. And it's the, called the Terrace Houses, and they were found back in, in uh, I think, the late 80s. And it's still the current archaeological site where they're working, and they're uh, wealthy Roman-era homes. And to, you pay a separate fee. It's, it's a little over $5 U.S. It, it, it's nothing to go in there, and you, you walk up the hill, and you, can, you walk above all these different rooms. And it's really one of the highlights uh, of Ephesus. And the, by the time we got back into town, it was pouring. 
so we we didn't do a whole lot of them. We went into the uh, the bazaar a, a little bit there. Um, the next day, then we were supposed to go to Santorini, which was really one of the highlights for us on the trip. And sadly, it's a, a tender port, and it was a beautiful day, but uh, winds gusting up to fifty miles an hour, and they weren't going to operate the cable car that takes you up to Fira, mm-hmm. and you couldn't even tender. So we got near the caldera and um, there was a Royal Caribbean ship jewel of the seas was already anchored in there. And um, the captain came on and said that, that, that we couldn't do anything and they were going to try to find another port for us. And I thought, okay, that that's nice. And so we ended up going to Henya Crete, which is a, a Venetian port uh, in, in Crete. We got there about one o'clock in the afternoon and we were there till eight o'clock that night. And the Royal Caribbean ship ended up just spending the day at sea. So Holland America went above and beyond, I think, to arrange for us to go there. When when the, the ship got to this industrial port outside of town, um, they had motor coach shuttles arranged to, to pick us up, take us the three or four miles into town at no charge. And this operated continuously uh, while we were there. So I feel that that was outstanding, even though it wasn't something we had planned on doing and, and, and hadn't prepared for. Uh, it was a good opportunity to see a lesser visited uh, port. And so then the, the last port of call was in Naples. And um, we did a tour to Herculaneum and uh, Ravello and, and Amalfi on, on the Amalfi Coast a uh, full day. And then back to Rome. Well, you are back. You get back to Rome. How was your disembarkation process? We did self disembark because we had a relatively early flight to London, and um, I had estimated for the driver to pick us up about seven thirty, and that's exactly when we got off. Okay. So we we walked out and and out the doors, and there was nothing to it. We did not get to use the new cruise terminal coming back. There was another ship in that space. We were in one of the sheds, but it. It was very, very easy. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight for you? Oh, I think going to the the Acropolis, uh, seeing that, and uh, uh, going up up to uh, to Delphi, uh, it was just absolutely breathtaking uh, to be up there and you have the sense of history. Um, so many things have happened there. So many people have been there. That uh, and it was beautiful days. That, that probably would have been the best thing for me. Any tips to offer anyone sailing uh, the, I'm getting these ships confused, uh, the Koningsdam or going to the Med for the first time? If you're going to the Med, um, do a lot of homework. Uh, there are so many different options of things to see and then and try to compare the, the pricing between uh, Cruise Line or if you're on Cruise Critic and maybe your roll call is active, people may have smaller groups because we had not done that before a lot of the private things and we found it oftentimes to be less expensive or at least to give me the flexibility to see what i wanted to see uh more than than you know having to stop at a jewelry store and and look at something when you could have been you know visiting one of the other sites so i i would i would encourage that and and with Koningsdam and holland america the service was absolutely outstanding on board everybody uh, i felt went above and beyond uh, trying to to be accommodating and 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 helpful 
the ship is beautiful. It's not um, massive, so that it is easier in getting on, getting off in, in some of these ports. And that, and a couple of them are, are tender at times. And that's something else that probably people should consider. I don't know how you feel about the guide that I use, but I use uh, Rick Steves' Mediterranean Cruise Guide, and I've used it for the past yeah. four times I've been over to the Med, and it's like my Mediterranean Bible. They're very good. I, his, his are straightforward. He, he cuts to, to the main points of it. Um, I, I like them. I like some of the eyewitness guides. I've used those. And then reading history books. Uh, when you're in an area that has so much history, it, it helps to do that or even watch different documentaries to get a better understanding of what you're going to see. And or you may discover something you hadn't heard of that it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be here. I want to uh, be able to see this. Yeah. What I like about Rick Steves books is like I used it for I think the last time I was in Rome, I did his guided tour in Rome and it was like. You're going to come to Crossroads, and there will be a blue building on your right with a sign, <laughs> turn left there. And it's like it's impossible to get lost because he's so direct with his step-by-step instructions. So I, I just love like love his guidebooks. I do, too. Well, uh, in closing here, Rick, what are your final thoughts of Holland America's Koningsdam? Three years old. The ship is coming to her own. Uh, fantastic crew, and uh, the ship itself is, is absolutely beautiful. It's modern. If you haven't sailed with Holland America before, uh, I would suggest giving Koningsdam or her new sister ship, New Stottendam, a try because they they are contemporary in design and the facilities are top-notch. Rick, thank you for your review, my friend, and great talking to you. Thanks. Great to talk to you again. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. You are still listening to this podcast, and can I ask you a favor? It'll take 30 seconds, I promise. Could you leave a review wherever you listen to this show from, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play? I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon.